Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right. So um, welcome, Darren Tucker and everybody to the podcast. Uh, Darren, thanks for joining me. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we've got a crew here. And so uh, if you're down, I'd love to get your feedback on a couple of people's work. So guys, make sure that you are posting uh, links and stuff like that. If you have questions, let me know. But um, Darren, why don't we start with what you do? Because I know I was originally reaching out to you because I was looking at these things. And I'd love to get you in to, to do a class. And I know you're a little busy, but um, why don't you walk through what you do? What does it mean, vehicle artist? Right. Um <clears throat> So uh, in the past, I've worked on kind of, the, it's very kind of unusual the way I started because mm -hmm. the first type of vehicles I made professionally were actually uh, spaceships. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I kind of came into it in a very different way. Awesome. Uh, although my day-to-day -day routine nowadays is <clears throat> uh, is basically uh, kind of, we're, we're looking more into the conceptual side of starting a new project and mm -hmm. so on. So uh, yeah, it's kind of everything's still up in the air. What would be really good is just to understand a little bit about your background, like what got you in to art? Is it possible for you to kind of start talking about that? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a good way to for me to kind of get going, I guess. Yeah. Uh, right. So I'm originally from the southwest of the UK, mm -hmm. uh, from a city called Bristol. I uh, kind of did the uh, kind of usual stuff you did kind of growing up. Yeah. Um, drew a lot, but completely kind of oblivious to where I was heading. Right, like like many of us, right? You just yeah, of course, of course. You did you just like know you didn't want to? Was there something you knew you did not want to do? Um, not so much. It was more of the fact that I was always heading towards an art kind of uh, kind of career. That, that that was my goal. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, yeah, it kind of I, I didn't know exactly about uh, well, I didn't know exactly anything about uh, the kind of world of video games and video game development right. and so on. Um, so I kind of went more of a kind of traditional route. Like drawing but, or graphic? Uh, kind of a bit of both, actually. I studied um, art and design in college oh, yeah. and covered kind of various uh, things like fine art, mm -hmm. uh, fashion design, uh, 3D sculpture, yeah. and uh, kind of uh, graphic design as well. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gave me a, a relatively decent foundation to, to kind of building my art skills. Was there somebody in your life that really supported this or do you was it did you have a lot of resistance to studying this no no, no resistance whatsoever really um awesome. yeah i mean my family were very supportive kind of just pushed me on on my way and, and kind of just encouraged me to do well and mm -hmm. what i wanted to do so that's exactly what i did i just kind of focused on the things i enjoy doing and yeah. kind of just yeah just go from there be as creative as i can wasn't too sure in kind of what medium i wanted to kind of uh, kind of pushed towards. I had no idea I'd be going digital. Uh, digital. Yeah. When did um, you dis when did you realize that games was an actual career? Like you'd get paid money for this. Uh, I think it was kind of near my um, <clears throat> uh, near the end of college. Actually, my mm -hmm. lecturer came up to me and said, "Why don't you apply for a games course? Seems like something you kind of enjoy to do." Uh, mm -hmm. Looking at my uh, my artwork that I was doing throughout the lessons and so on, because mm -hmm. I, I would be drawing various characters and 
creating these various uh, kind of just mad worlds and stuff like that. Yeah. So as soon as I found out about that, I kind of jumped at the uh, the chance basically. So I started applying to various uh, universities. Yeah. And uh, luckily managed to get onto a, a game art course. Mm -hmm. um, there I kind of uh, kind of built up a basic understanding of 3D modeling uh, principles, yeah. mainly for games. <clears throat> And we focus a lot on using 3ds Max. So, what was the first job? Because had had you done other work before you got in games, or were you mostly just a student? Or um, right. So, just as I came up to graduate, yeah, I, I started to chuck my CV out there, see um, see kind of what uh, kind of, I kind of sent gets uh, gets me a response. Uh -huh. um, I started working at a uh, airport simulator company. Uh, creating environments, um, building various airports like uh, Heathrow and Dubai okay. uh, airports. And uh, yeah, so that kind of, it was a starting point, but not necessarily in the direction I wanted. Um, but I was very happy at the time to be, to have a job as a 3D artist. Right. Um, but from there, I basically kind of, I, I felt like I needed to move on and work on my portfolio to right. then kind of push uh, push more towards uh, achieving the, the dream of working in, uh, well, working in the games industry. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of what I did for a while. I, I freelanced for about a year <clears throat> and uh, yeah, just kind of worked on various commissions for people, uh, mostly kind of very minor 3D uh, game art pieces, a lot of kind of uh, visualization uh, for kind of exhibitions and stuff like that, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. I made a few mascots along the way. Um, but it wasn't uh, kind of it wasn't enough to to kind of get my portfolio to the standard I kind of needed. Um, so I, on the side of that, I also worked on kind of building my skills in in uh, ZBrush and uh, kind of exploring substance mm -hmm. and everything. You know, the the, the whole thing really. It, there's so many tools out there that it's just trying to kind of understand what uh, is kind of what what the game industry is using at the moment. Yeah, that makes sense. You just focused on what was essential, like what what are they hiring for? Yeah, exactly. Just uh, yeah, seeing what they want, what yeah. they kind of expected of industry uh, professionals. Well, you got a, a room full of um, of students uh, right now here with us live. What does the industry want or expect today? And uh, I w I'd love your answer on that. And then I also want to get into you know this what you, the industry you're in, which is interesting because it's not character, it's not environment. And there's a whole genre um, here that I don't think, you know, at least in my podcast, I don't pay enough attention to because it's always just character and environment. Um, but the vehicle is is basically a character in this as well. But bef before we get into that, what is it that uh, a, a what is it the industry is looking for today? Just from your perspective, just simple software, whatever. What are they looking for? Okay, so um, at the moment we're looking for a technical understanding of kind of uh, the tools. The industry uses at the moment so it, it's a lot of um 3ds max maya mm -hmm. uh, zbrush being the uh, one of the best tools for anything organic um substance for texturing um we, we use a lot of marmoset toolbag free for uh, baking as well and previewing uh, meshes which is a uh, yeah bunch of great tools so a technical understanding of that being able to show that you can effectively work well um and it's we're, what we're mainly looking for, though, is um, just generally a solid portfolio of, uh, it doesn't have to be many pieces, but polished, very polished and kind of um, demonstrating, you know, correct use of uh, topology, uh, 
whether or not, like for example, if you're a character artist, not only can you uh, create, uh, you know, either photorealistic or stylized characters, but can you yeah. rig as well? Are you familiar with that? Because it also helps when you actually do build these assets for games. You um, you can build it in a way that kind of helps the person who will then take it off your hands to then rig and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess you you have to show that you kind of you you're passionate about what you do as well. That um, enough uh, kind of love and care gone into a P, you've kind of uh, focused on various bits of uh, kind of uh, like, hmm, what's an example I can kind of give? Um, so so say, for example, you're working on an environment piece. Yep. And uh, sorry, the, the color palette you um, choose to use yeah. can kind of, um, yeah, when you're thinking about color, uh, what type of emotional triggers are you kind of going for? What, sure, what do you yeah. want your viewers to uh, yeah. kind of to, to get from this piece? Is it kind of a um an ominous environment and your colors and and the shape you shapes you use yeah. kind of um uh complement that in a way yeah um, i get it i get it yeah. so an understanding of shape language an understanding of um of color making sure you understand the 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 rigging side of it so we've got a couple of questions here um thomas is asking about the vehicles and and the size and dealing with scale um he specifically asks you know how do you approach the scale material wise you use huge textures or multiple smaller ones and work with tiling uh right so <clears throat> we we came about the, uh well originally say mm-hmm. for example the fracture space uh, ships. We uh, we did try to create the the low and high poly meshes and bake it down, but we mm-hmm. found that the sheer scale of them it wasn't retaining the detail right. that we need. So how do you how do you get the detail? Uh, so we used um, a lot of kind of trim sheet. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, custom normals. So mm-hmm. the trim sheets were basically <clears throat> uh, a lot of it was uh, tiling textures uh, in kind of strips, and we would um, kind of just map everything to that so we could kind of get a lot of mileage out of a very kind of small resource basically mm-hmm. so we would have a uh, hull material uh, kind of a, a metallic material and what else would we have we, we would have uh, various lights and decals and so on yeah, yeah. and then uh, we break up the uh, the ships in various components and kind of map it to that so then it will kind of keep the uh, draw calls uh, relatively low, but give us the detail we need. Got it. Um, so um, so in order to answer, Ryan's also asking a question about whether or not it's models or textures, and a lot of it is in the texture. Is that accurate? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, we, we tend to be pretty broad when it comes to our uh, the, the uh, meshes themselves. Mm-hmm. And you, you said it yourself, we, we, use, we apply a lot of the detail through the texture. Okay. Because we, we, we can do a lot with that. And not only that, we would have a layer of, um, say the basic hull using trim sheets and so on. Yeah. So we have yeah. various panel lines and so on. Um, but then we will uh, apply additional layers on top of that, um, like a very thin uh, sort of a, almost like you would apply a decal, but uh, for, uh, for geometry itself. Mm-hmm. So you can, like, so for example, we wanted additional kind of little cut-ins sort of around the uh, kind of edges and so on, they wrap around, but then it's just additional blend. So that's how we would, kind of um, deal with the, the sheer scale of these vehicles. Wait, let me let me see if I understand. So can you zoom in on that again real quick? Uh, and thanks for bringing up Max. I think it's kind of clear. So uh, it's it's geometry, but it's really just a strip of geometry. It's not actually, you're just using that strip of geometry for the trim sheet, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So we would have a base 
and please guys this is i think of i mean i'm i can feel it inside this is a very important concept to communicate so tell me if i'm if i'm just full of crap or if you guys feel like this is an important concept i think this is something that gets missed a lot or at least it's hard for us as beginning um, artists to really get wrap our head around because I, I find trim sheets to be one of the hardest their head around all right so if we zoom in on that um on that element um that we were just looking at you the you you take these pieces and uh it looks like they're so let's just focus on that so you take this piece and then you just have like this strip of geometry that's really basically just a strip of uvs um is this what goes into the game engine as well or do you uh, bake this down further or no no uh, we will um kind of export as is nice. because uh, okay. yeah well it, this way we can um keep everything together and uh, yeah, it doesn't rely on any additional texture maps on top of what we already use. Mm -hmm. um, so this is almost like your mid polygon, but it's, I mean, this is actually your low, you're making a low resolution mesh with the trim sheets inside of Max. Is that something that you do often so that you can visualize it and deal with all the 3D modeling? Yeah, I mean, for blocking out stuff, it's a great, um, it's a great approach. Okay. This is very um, quadded out. Is that a normal workflow for you or do you get into triangles often uh we kind of a case-by-case -case basis uh using mm -hmm. triangles um if it kind of if two two um two edges are kind of uh kind of curving into each other mm -hmm. we would normally have an, uh, a triangle but we do try to kind of keep everything quadded where we can um, what what's the value in your words for quads because i have this conversation with my students all the time and everything in a game engine gets triangulated anyways um so what's the value in your mind for quads? Hmm. Well, uh, I guess anything with uh, four vertices, really, mm -hmm. are connected. Because, um, yeah, you can fall in the trap of having n-gons which won't shade correctly, even after they're triangulated, because the triangulation may not do a decent job yeah. um, and may create pinch points in various yeah. uh, sort of areas. Yeah, that makes sense. So for you, the primary value is um, is avoiding the pinch points and avoiding the problematic edges that just don't soften well. Is yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, now, if we're looking at this, how do you decide how many polygons are going to round an edge? So if we look at um, the front of this, uh, and you know, anywhere where there's like a bevel, you can see there's like one, two, three, four, five. There's like five rows of polygons that decide a bevel um, or the roundness of that, that. Can you see what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, it's, students are always wondering um, how many polygons we put in there. How do we decide how many polygons there versus um, if you go into smaller parts of your model, you have the polygonal faces much closer. So how do you decide how much resolution to put into a corner? Does that question make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, right. So we would often kind of uh, think about how much uh, screen space it will uh, use up. Uh, and well, kind of how big will it be on screen? Yeah. Um, and then we, we kind of almost preview that just in Max out and kind of uh, basically what we're trying to do is avoid any kind of faceted um, being uh, shown on screen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, any faceting uh, okay. being shown on screen. So yeah, I mean, you kind of get it what it kind of needs. It's, it's very uh, particular to its use. Yeah. So if it's a hero asset, you would normally um, uh, yeah, kind of a curve it off as. Um, well, you're at um, Wargaming. Wargaming's known for, uh, I think, um, World of Tanks. Oh, uh, yes. 
and then uh, world there's another one and so uh is your your job now is, is it basically making spaceships uh no it's very different uh from this uh although there's not much i can really say on it at the moment okay um, until enough. we announce what we're doing but it's a kind of <laughs> it's, a, it's a completely new project uh-huh. and uh, it's going to be something very different to what world of tanks currently have in their portfolio Okay, got it. All right, so then, so we don't get you in trouble. We'll gently swap out of that. Uh, <laughs> we had a question about using these trim sheets. Do do you have an example of the trim sheet? Like, can you show us the 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 trim sheet itself that you use? Uh, I can. Yes. Um, be able to just pop it up here. On, hopefully, this doesn't take too long. Okay, so for the hull, it's it's very basic. We have kind of very open area, mm-hmm. which we map to to cover kind of big surface areas, and then okay. something a little more kind of broken up. I don't know if you can see that. I can't see that very well. Um, that's very light. Oh, yeah. Okay, now I can see. Uh, interesting. That is very light. So you work with very light um, surfaces, like or texture, sorry. I shouldn't say uh, light, because this is dark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the contrast is low. Yeah, I mean, it, if it's covering a lot of uh, the surface area, we, we don't want, well, we want to minimize the amount of noise mm-hmm. that is uh, coming through, mm-hmm. and then the Kind of any additional details we've been using kind of um the trim sheets which we kind of crop out parts um just frozen mm. um uh so basically uh we will have normally the map will be kind of separated very minor detail yeah which gets applied on top. great so if you select that one strip that we were looking at that where's the uvs for that oh well they, this uv is uh kind of stretched out yep. because it's such a minor detail that yeah. We can we can afford to just kind of um, not worry about text density stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So in the UV map, what section is that applied to? Uh, this is just up on the top left. Um, this isn't the most up to date uh, map, unfortunately. So sure. there would be more pieces kind of covering the top. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then then we just kind of map to to what we need to kind of pull through the details we kind of want. Okay, got it. So if uh, if we're answering Joey's question, do you have all the pieces already ma- made in a library and you bash them together? Um, uh, we, we do yeah. a lot of uh, kit bashing, but that normally yeah. comes from uh, once we've completed uh, building a couple of vehicles. Yeah. We can then kind of um, take that apart, reuse parts, and kind of just, yeah, kind of expand on the, the essentially the, the library that comes from having multiple com- uh, completed assets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, from time to, uh, time to time, if we have some downtime uh, without many tasks, we will jump in and kind of model slightly more bespoke uh, pieces. Okay. Um, Christian's got a, a good question for you here. He's saying, hey, Darren, on top of great modeling and texture in your portfolio also shows a solid sense of design. Um, for those of us that are more novice or entirely new to principles, of, can you suggest any good resource to learn? Right, so uh, I, I look at uh, all sorts of uh, work that's being released on places like ArtStation mm-hmm. and, and kind of study kind of work of artists that I admire. And then there's also the kind of going out in the world, taking photo reference of kind of things you're, you're interested in that relates to the sort of things you, that you make, kind of um, deconstruct how the uh, details are kind of distributed and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's... Uh, well, again, you, you can go online, you can kind of see all sorts of uh, random things. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, um, but, how, you know, I've done hard surface. I, a long time ago, I started 
in, you know, I'm a traditional sculptor, so I learned um, organic is like my home. But I started doing some hard surface a long, long time ago, and that shit is hard. You know, it's like there's a whole language. There's an anatomy to hard surface, isn't there? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so what what did you do to learn that? Because that's not, I mean, it's not, everybody I talk to says, go look at some reference and, and all that. And I'm like, I look at reference all the time. Still, <laughs> you know, I, there's an element that people are doing that, you know, I wasn't necessarily doing in the beginning. So um, if we were to take that a step further, like what do you look for or look at when you look at the reference? You know, because I, I, when I look at your work, I'm like, you've got, you've got multiple types of fins and venting and you have like, you have all of these elements. Does that make sense or no? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's a tricky one, really. It's mm -hmm. a lot of experimentation um, and, and kind of uh, just building up various primitives and so on. Um, looking at a lot of real world tech, just trying to kind of focus on how, how, how does it function? How, what, what are the kind of pivoting points and, um, yeah, it's a, it's a strict thing to answer. Um, I mean, for, for uh, the ships on my portfolio, actually, I we, we looked at a lot of kind of military-esque um, vehicles, a lot of kind of submarines. Mm -hmm. So everything's quite um, uh, fairly, fairly curved, almost organic, but it's mm. hard surface. So it's, <clears throat> that uh, makes sense. <laughs> hmm. Is there, a, do you remember a particular submarine that really was impactful or, or helpful? I know that might be a weird question, but. Um, I'm asking because, uh, like, if question, but uh, not really. I mean, we we looked at multiple things, and we're kind of just um, we we're, we're kind of just going through this and doing things at kind of quite a rapid pace. Yeah. So, because I, I mean, each um, ship would take uh, about three to five weeks to put together mm -hmm. from from scratch. However, we we did the kind of a rework stage where we would have to go have to go through and <clears throat> kind of uh, rebuild them, op optimize them. Yeah. And, uh, kind of uh, implement the, the, the kind of trim sheet uh, texturing pass that we did. Okay. Uh, is the trim sheet, uh, so if we were to walk through process real quick, I just want to sketch out something real fast for these guys. Um, you do a, uh, you do a, um, you do a bit of a kit bash, a bit of a block in slash kit bash, right? So if we went back to 3ds max, um, what would be the first stage? Uh, so the first stage would be kind of just blocking out the, the basic shape. So, this. say for example, um, take this. Um, so we have. Oh, cool. Uh, oh, apologies for that. Uh, oh, I don't. Really That's okay. I think I get a great. I, I get a great um, sense of it from there. But. <clears throat> okay. So so yeah, we we chuck down various primitives. And, uh, apologies, guys. <clears throat> okay, That's your so blocking. Those, those, yeah, those arms. Kind of gives me an example, kind of what I'm going for. Mm -hmm. So on, and then I kind of. Um, Build it up piece by piece, by kind of seeing what uh, kind of works with the the overall shape. Does it yeah. look like it um, uh, function properly? Uh, yeah. And are you building like are you reusing these pieces? And are you that's it's a little tough of a question that I'm trying to ask. Um, but the biggest issue I find with people learning to do this is just trying to learn like what's a piston, what's this? Like you've got a lot of parts down in in that foot. Like if we were to just focus on that one of those feet, so to speak, or whatnot, there's like all these, there's all these parts, pistons, gears, swivels, like there's a whole language I'm not 100% comfortable. Yeah, it's, again, it, it, a lot of it kind of, it's not, um, it's not exactly accurate in the way it will, if say, for example, you were to build this in real life, you, you probably build it in a very different, mm -hmm. um, but again, it, 
being uh, games, you can kind of get away with a bit of creative freedom. So you don't necessarily have to stick to uh, kind of, um, I don't know, more kind of CAD sort of uh, uh, ways of building things. That makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. Totally does. You know, you know, I think uh, you can deal with interpenetration and it needs to look, you know, um, sexy. So from that kind of perspective, like what is it that you think is is more important than CAD functionality? Like, what are the things that you try to emphasize in your designs? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it's a tough one. Um, you know, I had this, um, I had this interesting moment when early in my career when I was teaching that I thought was really like it's lived with me for a long time. I was teaching um, Carlos Fuentes ZBrush. I, I don't know if you know Carlos Fuentes, but he's like the godfather of of creature uh, concept design. Oh, okay. And, uh, and he's been in the industry for like 20 plus years. He, he was old school, traditional. He's done everything from alien, the thing to, you know, a bunch of stuff. And, um, and I'm in there and I'm teaching him ZBrush and I'm doing the sculpt to teach. And I'm like teaching the Godfather, like this guy's understanding of anatomy is, is, un, is almost unparalleled. I'm teaching him this uh, and I'm up front and I'm, I'm demonstrating ZBrush and my sculpt sucks. And I'm like, I'm embarrassed and I'm at ILM and it's my first job and I'm teaching this and I'm not quite sure what's going on or what's wrong or any of that stuff. And Carlos said something that like stuck with me forever. And he said, um, you know, it's good that you can fail because that means it's an art. That's what makes it an art. It's not just like rote and, you know, everything is, you just put down the numbers. So as you're talking, I'm, you know, I, I, it just made me think about that because, you know, this is an art. It doesn't mean that you have to be able to explain it. Uh, yeah, but, I guess so. Um, <clears throat> but you create it. So, you know, if, if you don't know the words, I mean, that's fine me because, you know, this is an art. I can see you can produce the art. I think all the, everybody here can see you can produce the art. And, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we have the words. For it. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's pretty perfect for us. Yeah, and uh, the words, the words are the words, whatever they are. But if we were to, if you were to look at somebody's work, you know, is there something that that you like to see, something that inspires you when you look at other people's work, and you're like, oh, I really like that, whatever that is. <clears throat> I, I guess when when I'm, I say when, when I come across a piece I admire, mm -hmm. it's usually something that it's kind of testing out different things. In it. Well, so something that you wouldn't necessarily put together. Yeah. Something that kind of juxtaposes, um, almost uh, creates quite a contrast between. Mm -hmm. So, say for example, you have a a, a giant holding a teddy bear. It's right. very um, eye-catching because it's not something you kind of expect. Yeah. So pieces like that, for example, really kind of draw my eye, and it creates a kind of narrative. Yeah. Um, and it it doesn't matter what that narrative is, because whoever's looking at the piece will kind of make that up in their head. Yeah. Totally. I think that's yeah. a great point, you know, and, and I've seen a couple of uh, art books recently, mech art books. I forget. I think um, Fausto done, did an art book recently, too. Um, and, it, you know, I think story is that that thing. I mean, do you find story to be really important when you're designing and creating these? Oh, narrative behind your piece is kind of what uh, drives the piece. Yeah. It gives you the influences you need to um, create something that people can kind of relate to and and kind of continue to look in and discover, uh, yeah, sort of, sort of interesting uh, kind of elements that complement, uh, well, like, yeah, kind of add to the overall story of that piece. So narrative is a huge thing. Um, if, if we were to look at your portfolio, um, again, over there, 
when you were approaching these, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to just hear a little bit about how narrative fits into this. Because I actually, for some reason, I remember story coming up in you and I's conversation. And it might have been one of the students that was looking at this. And they were like, you know, every image is telling a story. Like if we were to look at the third one from the uh, the third one from the catalyst. I mean, <laughs> that's not, I mean, that's just, you got a whole bunch of stuff going on there. Yeah. I mean, when I um kind of began to put this piece together, yeah. uh, we were working with the designers to kind of come up with sort of, uh, okay, so basically all of these uh, environments that um, I would make in four fractal space, uh, we had a kind of unique game mode um, released with this new map. Yeah. And the, the game mode for this map in particular, it we had this kind of um, catalyst uh, ship in the center and you had to kind of um, kind of surround it to capture it to kind of nudge it towards your enemy base. So we wanted something that was um, quite, uh, what was it used, um, <clears throat> kind of disquieting, mm-hmm. sort of a, a sense of uneasy. And so I kind of went with this kind of a green, um, kind of green and yellow kind of color palette. Yeah. To kind of, uh, yeah, try to get that feeling across. That's great. So simple color palette, which is what you were mentioning earlier. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I find that when, uh, when thinking about color, it's, I, I kind of think of sets of threes. So you have your primary, it's something that kind of encompasses most of uh, the, the piece. And then you have your kind of um, uh, complementary colors to kind of get pieces to, yeah, mo- to make pieces stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, yeah, capture your eye to like kind of take notes of these uh, interesting visual elements. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and stuff like that, I guess. That's really cool. So if we were to go back to the main page, then you've chosen several, like there are several different um, color combinations. If we look at the second one, blue and red. So yeah, this was the, um, we were creating another, well, a new conquest map. So there would be kind of uh, two sectors left and right. You have a home base and then there was this kind of gamma um, central uh, kind of area, which is pivotal to kind of winning the game. Mm. So we wanted something that looked uh, completely dangerous, really, and <clears throat> kind of very military-esque in space. Yeah. So, yeah, we went for the kind of red and blues because the, the warm colors kind of gave it that kind of a kind of sense of, a, uh, hmm. well, I guess, a, yeah, a sense of danger. So, um, yeah, I was thinking, you know, it's red, color of Mars, god of war. It definitely has conquest written all over it red lights you know which, which is danger lights so that's cool can we go back to your um your main art the other art station because i think there was one more permutation and i guess that's the thing that's very fascinating so the fourth one and the first one um you know you have you have two more really strong uh color color palettes here so it's like the fifth is it the fifth one yeah it's the fifth one where it's blue um gotcha. that uh, the other one the ice plant i think it looks it's a nice yeah. oh, What's what is your focus here? Like when you're building and designing this, um, what is the what's this? How how are you approaching narrative? What's this the process? Uh, for, for this one, it was um, a bit of a tricky one because we, we never really had a narrative put in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we there, there were elements like a, a huge kind of central asteroid, which um, kind of uh, these uh, spacefarers are mining. Um, and so on, but it, yeah. it was kind of mainly just to have something that kind of something you didn't really expect uh, when in a when yeah flying around in a space game, right? right. It was uh, just kind of ice everywhere. It, I guess like that's um, yeah, really cool. Can we see the first one too? The first image. Sure. Was there a narrative for this? 
because I'm seeing uh, organic shapes like trees almost. Uh, yeah, so basically uh, here we had various, um, well, the, the narrative behind it was an infection kind of eating away uh, at this uh, kind of giant asteroid. And we have uh, these kind of uh, stations which were kind of investigating and uh, mining and so on, um, kind of being trapped. Mm -hmm. like, like the asteroid is almost alive in a way and kind of is uh, uh, just kind of grasping at everything it can. Mm -hmm. and and so we yeah we went with a lot of uh, kind of colors that kind of uh, complement the virus uh, theme yeah the infectious nature of uh yeah okay great all right my friend thank you so much for sharing that hold on let me open this up and see all right guys um we're heading up on time any more questions thomas is asking any tips for learning hard surface topology and edge flow in particular um right hmm. i'll tell you what uh i can't find the words for it right now yeah. Uh, however, uh, it would be good if, um, yeah, if you could pass on my uh, email and then sure. I can get back to everybody uh, properly and answer their questions in, in a more efficient manner. Yeah, you know, I we can just throw, yeah, we can, um, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, if that helps us. Yeah, totally. I'll, ha I'll ask Susan to add you into our community and then, um, and then you can just take the message in there. Cool. Okay. It's probably a, yeah, slightly better format for me, it seems. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I think a very um, important part of that too is, you know, you, you're an artist, right? And it's and you're a visual artist, uh, and that and you create beautiful work. So that's that's the important thing. You know, that's the thing that I think we really really wanted to kind of learn here. Um, not necessarily some verbal description of all of that. Edison, I agree. Edison says some artists cannot explain the text, which I agree. Um, exactly right. <laughs> I, I also think because I've been on the teaching side of it so long, I actually think it's a benefit when you can't explain um, because you kill a thing by explaining a thing, which I know as a teacher. <laughs> I, I, I try to not have my students know too much and just work at the cusp of doing, which is different. Yeah, I, I think with a lot of what I do, I am mm -hmm. kind of just feeling it out. I am yeah. not necessarily thinking too in depth. So yeah, you're exactly right there. Cool. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about how you do the trim sheets because I actually have not seen anybody do a spaceship and do trim sheets. Um, you know, and really explain it. It's actually one of the first times I've seen it pulled out like that, even though I'm sure it's common practice. It's just not talked about much. So that was really cool to see. Cool. All right. Okay. It looks like we've got all the questions answered, guys. So if you got more, um, Darren uh, has suggested he'll help inside the community uh, or answer questions inside the community. Sorry, not to help. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Thank you, great. folks. All right, Darren, thanks for taking the time, my friend. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.